The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Cantieri's the back from the 28-yard line. Rudock a deep drop to let a deep route develop downfield, and it's caught. Damon Powell all the way home. Iowa is rolling, and it's the longest play of the season for the Hawkeye offense. 72-yard touchdown for Powell. They start fast offensively. They get explosive plays there. They get an explosive play on defense, an interception for a touchdown. And welcome back to number 15, Jake Rudolph. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our weekly Reporter's Notebook podcast, this week featuring Scott Docterman, who looks back at the Hawks' homecoming win over the Indiana Hoosiers, previews the Maryland game, and talks Big Ten. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Maryland's Randy Etzel. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, as well as KGYM's Tyler Chumeland. The Iowa-Indiana game highlights are courtesy of ESPNU with announcers Adam Amin and John Congemi. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked how this year's team feels different than the poor 2012 season when the Hawkeyes also started 2-0 in the Big Ten. Time will tell. You know, it's uh, we, we've been in this position. We're at the midway point right now, and two games into the league, we've been in this position. We've been in positions really close to this. And, you know, typically, you know, it's like a broken record sometimes, but really it's the second half of the season that determines typically who we are, some, some exception. That 07 was a different story, but uh, you know, it's just it's what we do moving forward. So that's going to be the key right now. And the one thing that's been constant, our guys have had a good attitude. They've worked hard going back to January, so that, that's good. Uh, we haven't always played as well as we need to. You know, the big thing is, you know, how much improvement can we make here in the next seven weeks? That's, that's really what it's going to come down to. Health factors in there too, but uh, as much as anything, it's just how much can we improve. With the previous two weeks dominated by quarterback questions, Kirk only had a couple of them this week. He talks about Jake Rudock's play versus Indiana coming off of his injuries. You know, he's growing and getting better. Uh, I wouldn't describe it as like a Kodak moment. I thought he played really well. And, you know, we, we expect Jake to play well. We expect CJ to play well. thought he played played well when he was in there. And that's one position where I, I feel, you know, pretty pretty good about knowing what we're going to get. And uh, yeah, I felt good about fullback coming in the season, too. So much for that, that equation. But, uh, you know, so you just, you never know. Things are always changing. Ferentz talks about the commitments that walk-ons make at Iowa. The obvious answer there uh, probably is it just, you know, it takes really special, a special young guy. And, uh, you know, it's Tommy Gall. I, you know, uh, and I've said this before, I think, but especially for walk-ons, you know, for, for all we ask our guys to do, because they, they don't get a hall pass, they do the same thing as anybody else does. So the, the 105 guys that come to camp and then the other guys that are on the team, we're typically you know, in the 115, 117 range uh, once we get going. But, you know, we ask an awful lot of our guys and, uh, 
for them to do it four years, five years into the program, it really says a lot about the, their makeup and the caliber of young people they are. And I, I got tremendous respect. I'm not sure I could do what our guys do. I mean, when I played, it wasn't even remotely close to this. So, you know, for them to stay with it and have great attitudes and add to the team, you go back to Will Lack or guys like that back in the early 2000s. Awful lot of respect. And then in Tommy's case, you know, he, he got called upon. It wasn't like anybody had advance notice on that one. He jumped in. That was a tough assignment because they had big physical guys and he had a guy on his nose every every snap of the uh, game. So, yeah, it's just, it's really gratifying when you see a guy like that who's worked so hard and uh, has done things well so so many days in a row, go out there and be rewarded. And nobody was happier than his teammates. It was really a good moment afterwards. You know, they really kind of, you know, prompted him to get up in front of the group and uh, be recognized. And that's, yeah, that's a good part about coaching. And Ference explains the development of his senior D lineman, Louis Trinkapassat, who's having a difference-making season. To, to me, it's really been a, a process, and uh, he's, he's kind of like a poster child for the kind of guys that we've, you know, we've had really <clears throat> success with. He pretty much got beat up a couple of years ago, you know, playing in there, as you know, a linebacker in high school. But last year, I thought he really played well, and, and Louis, just everything he does, he's so works so hard, and he's really a mentally tough guy. So, you know, he, he just, he's done so much for us last year playing well. And uh, it's part of the reason those linebackers are running around, run around pretty well. But beyond that, just what he does on the practice field, weight room, all, all this stuff. That I mean, that's why he's one of those captains. The way he uh, does things it really impacts his teammates, and it's been a great example for some of those younger guys. So, and right now he's a senior year. You know, he should be playing his best if, if the formula is working. You know, if he's on uh, on the right path, and uh, you know, it's just good to see him out there having fun. He's really playing well. Next, we hear from Maryland head coach Randy Edsel, who talks about the Kirk Ferentz coached Iowa Hawkeyes. I've been uh, very impressed, you know, with watching uh, Iowa on tape and uh, always uh, I've known Kirk for a while. You know, he's a UConn grad and I was at UConn for 12 years, but uh, always been uh, impressed with uh, his teams and how well coached they are, how disciplined they are, how physical they play and that they don't beat themselves and very good fundamentally and and from a technique standpoint. So again, we know that uh, we got a tremendous challenge on our hands on Saturday and uh, you know we've tried to use the bye week to, to get ourselves healthier and uh, also to work on some of those things that uh, we feel that we needed to get better at and I thought that was productive. Etzel was asked if Iowa reminds him of any of Maryland's former ACC opponents. Again Iowa is a team that um, like I said is very well coached. They're they're very good up front in their offensive line. They're physical. They hit you with all kinds of different personnel groupings and they've got uh, guys who can make big plays. John Jonathan Parker, guy who made big plays for him last week. Uh, Damon Powell, again, guy that goes deep. Played two quarterbacks, and both of them are, are very good. So uh, they give you a lot of different uh, looks, you know, offensively. And then defensively, they're very sound and very solid. And Carl Davis and Lewis Trenka, you know, those guys are, are forces inside up front. And Quentin Austin is a very physical uh, linebacker and very sound in, in what they do. So, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of weaknesses there when you take a look at, uh, you know, Iowa on Edsel talks about his outside linebacker, Yannick Nagoharu, who leads the Big Ten in tackles for loss. Again, I, I think that Yannick is uh, a young man who's just getting better. You know, he's a sophomore, didn't play much as a freshman, but with each game, he's getting he's getting better and he's getting technique down. And, you know, he just he goes hard and he does his job. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I can say about him. He's got talent. That's why he's here. But the, the thing is, he, he really works at trying to be better, you know, each and every day. He, he asks good questions. He 
wants to he wants to do things the right way. And and like I said, when you can combine that with uh, somebody who has talent, who has heart, and who plays with effort, you know, those are the things that leads to the productivity that he's had so far. And Edsel explains what makes his outstanding punt returner Will Likely so good. Will is a a guy who's just gotten better at returning punts from a year ago, and uh, he's really worked at it, studied punters, really has just done a done a good job and understands uh, what we're doing in front of him, whether uh, with the returns, and he's just got this um, God-given ability and a knack for being able to um, have great vision and see and see the whole field. And again, you know, we're finding now that people are kicking away from him, or they're trying to kick the ball higher to to get fair catches, and that's fine. But uh, I think the other thing is he's making good decisions. You know, he's not he's not going back there and just trying to you know take everything to the house. If it if it calls for a fair catch, he'll take it. I like his decisions that he's making, and I just like how he's come along and has gotten better at returning punts. Third and three, Sudfeld on the comeback round, and it's intercepted. Picked up by Desmond King. Pick six, Hawkeyes. That's a heck of a way to get your first career interception. The sophomore from Detroit takes it to the house. That was a terrific anticipation play by Desmond King. Great athleticism, and then he showed you the, the flash of speed to get the Hawkeye defense in the end zone. And Nate Sudfeld throws the interception. King takes it to the house, and just like that, in 64 seconds, Iowa scores a pair of touchdowns. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. <laughs> Time now for our weekly reporter's notebook. This week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks back at the Indiana game. He previews the Maryland Road Contest and he reports on the Big Ten. Scott, Iowa with an explosive win over Indiana that I think kind of surprised everybody in the stands and in the press box. Yeah, I think you look at three, uh, three big plays in the first quarter that to, that built a 28 to 7 lead was kind of a, a shock to some extent and also just the fact that Iowa scored <laughs> and, and scored it often I think that was another interesting part of it uh, you look at how they did it I mean first of all they had a really nice drive a seven minute drive to, that culminated in a 12 yard touchdown pass it was a third down so I mean it was, it was a crucial play then you look at Desmond King you know this first interception is a pick six he did it one-handed he's really an ascending player at cornerback as a sophomore and showing that he's going to he's not only one of the better players in the Big Ten at that position, he's going to be one of the better players in the country. And then you had a big pass play and a big run play. So you got really everything you wanted from Iowa offensively the other day. The, the, the big lingering concern was uh, defense. And what we saw Saturday was comparable to what we saw in the first game, which were big plays made by great running a great running back. And Iowa traditionally doesn't give up those types of plays. Maybe one a game at the most, but not, not certainly not three the way they did. So there are some issues there they need to address. Uh, some of it was uh, lack of containment at the defensive end over running and, and lack of leverage from the linebackers and safeties. And, and then, you know, then you also have to tip your cap a little bit to uh, Tevin Coleman, who will be maybe the best pro prospect in the Big Ten. He's got some company as far as great college running backs, but with his size, speed, and uh, ability, um, I think you're going to see him probably forego his senior year and play next year in the NFL. Yeah, there's a lot of good running backs in the Big Ten, but Tevin Coleman 
Coleman's about as good as I've seen so far this season. That was really impressive. All the talk, or a lot of the talk last week going into the game, was dominated by the quarterbacks discussion. And uh, both Greg Davis and Kirk Ferentz said both quarterbacks were going to play and that C.J. Beathard would get a fair amount of playing time. But overall, you have to think that that game against the Hoosiers was one of Jake Rudock's best performances ever as a Hawkeye. And it seems to me that the two-quarterback controversy thing is probably over, at least for the time being. Well, it certainly has simmered and, you know, and calmed down from the boil that it was last week. But, you know, here's some things we need to keep in perspective. I mean, yes, first of all, Jake Rudock played a terrific game, 19-27, 210 yards, a couple of touchdowns, really kept the chains moving. You know, it did, you know, 22 first downs. I mean, you know, they really did an excellent job and he he did his usual best. I mean, and he's only a junior. He's an ascending player. So they, you know, they like him anyway. And of course, his intellect is second to none. But let's let's also look at this as Indiana, which for as explosive an offense as it is, its defense is still suspect. And being able to get those big plays, a 72-yard pass and a 60-yard run from Jonathan Parker really changed the, the game. And those are game, those are also plays that I think you look at somebody like C.J. Beathard and he would make them as well. I'm anxious to see, let's say if this game's 10-10 to 10 at halftime uh, this week against Maryland or, or even Northwestern in a couple of weeks at home, if it's a tight game, he maybe misses some passes. I don't think this issue is quite dead yet because when you look at C.J. Beathard, I see upside. I see potential. I see a lot of growth in that area. He's only a sophomore. He's got a little bit of a unique skill set, but not that much different than Jake Rudock. He can run, and he's a little bit quicker, but he's not you know, Antoine Randall L. here. I mean, he's not Kane Coulter. He's a guy who can do a lot of different things, but but, but he runs the same type of ship as, uh, as Jake Rudock. So I'm interested to see how Rudock can continue to massage this team because it wasn't that long ago where they were down 17-7 to at halftime against Pittsburgh or they are down 13-3 to in the fourth quarter against Ball State. Let's see how this goes for the next couple of weeks before we, we automatically look at Jake Rudock as some sort of savior because I do think C.J. Beathard will have something to say about it by, before the season's over. Well, Kirk's been saying all along he felt comfortable with both quarterbacks, and, and I think that's certainly the case. But I think you saw in that game, albeit against Indiana's defense, uh, you know, Rudock performing under pressure when he had to feel pressure with uh, C.J. Beathard kind of breathing down his neck. Yeah, I think so. And, and I mean, at, at some points you thought, okay, maybe it doesn't make sense to change quarterbacks because Beathard, or, uh, Rudock is playing so well, for one, and Indiana has the capabilities of, of coming back and scoring. So uh, you want to just keep your fo- the foot on the gas and have the guy who's actually, you know, pushed the buttons to keep him there. So, you know, that's that's really understandable. And he's, he does like both quarterbacks. And I think going back to previous controversies, if you will, um, you know, I, I, let's look at 2008. Iowa started that year 3-3 three and three and had uh, two quarterbacks, Jake Christensen, he started the full year, and then also Ricky Stanzi, who had, had played just sparingly. And, and when they ended up having to make that decision, that was because of, of lack of production at the quarterback spot. Neither quarterback was really that good at that point. I think both of these guys are better than where Jake was, Christensen, and uh, where Rick Sandy was at that point in time. So I think there's really no necessarily wrong answer, but it's who can kind of lift you the highest. And, you know, in long term, I think maybe that's still C.J. Beathard, but in the short term, when you got a guy like Rudock, who did take you to a New Year's Day Bowl, flip your record, and it shows the intellect that you like and, and the skill set, it's hard to turn that down, especially because he's got equity in the program. So Iowa did what it needed to do against the Hoosiers comes out of that game five and one overall two and zero in the Big Ten. 
Iowa's only started six and won twice under Kirk. They did it four times under Hayden Fry, and I think only 10 times dating all the way back to 1940. So you come into the Maryland game on the road. It's the Terrapins' homecoming. They're one and one in the Big Ten, four and two overall. First time these two teams have ever met in football. Yeah, it's an interesting game from that standpoint. I mean, you're looking at a Big Ten newcomer in Maryland, a team that has a rich tradition and history within the ACC conference, a team that, and, and that school helped found the ACC. So it was a significant blow to the fan base and to the ACC that it, when it decided to join the Big Ten Conference. But, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, this is a blessing for Iowa. Uh, they have seven players from, from Maryland itself, and that's the fourth most from any state on Iowa's roster. These two teams are different. They're different in how they are uh, put together. They're different in their personnel. They're different in their skills. So it's really a, a matchup similar to that of Indiana, except I think Maryland's actually better in a lot of positions. So this is going to be a very difficult road matchup for Iowa because Maryland Maryland can put the ball in the air effectively uh, the, the way Indiana can, except their receivers are much better. So this is going to put a lot of pressure on the secondary and the defensive line to, to get pressure. They're going to put one-on-one matchups on Iowa on defense, and as we've seen, they really had two two to three tests on defense this year. Uh, the first game against David Johnson, they failed that. Last week against Kevin Coleman, they failed that. James Conner, they failed it for a half, and it nearly cost them. So I think right now uh, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to contain guys, the wide receivers especially, and then secondly, be on the lookout for, for the running back because Ross is a terrific running back as well for Maryland. So this is, this poses all kinds of issues and problems, and Iowa is going to have to be prepared on offense to, to match them score for score if that's the case. Maryland's coming off the bye week. You really have to think the bye week helped the Hawkeyes coming into the Indiana game. And they have another bye week, Iowa does, after this game. And Iowa has now won four straight games on the road, six of its last seven. That's pretty impressive regardless of who you're playing. What do you think makes this Hawkeyes team the last couple of years as good as they are on the road? Well, I think number one is you get away from a lot of the noise. You are kind of secluded. It's all about you and the players and the task at hand. And in football, more than the other sports, but but especially and especially football, you need that team bonding, that team unity. And to be able to go on the road with that thought process, it always seems to, to help teams kind of focus in. And I think you look at some of the games Iowa's had, a couple of them against Purdue, on the road against Nebraska. They had a real purpose that last year against Nebraska. They needed that game for a lot of reasons, and they wanted to play physical, and, and, and defensively they did so. But this, uh, out of the bunch that they, they have been able to overcome, this is going to present maybe the biggest challenge, just because from a talent perspective, this is a new environment. You know, even Pittsburgh was built a lot like the way Iowa was built to defend. So uh, Maryland at home, they're a pretty good team too. I believe they're 4-2. and two. This is a different environment. This is a different type of team with talent that went to a bowl game last year. I think this is going to be their biggest challenge on the road since they played at Ohio State last year, which obviously had more talent than Iowa. A lot of focus at Kirk's press conference on Tuesday with respect to Maryland's special teams. They've got a terrific place kicker in Brad Craddock, and they've got really good punt returner and a really good kickoff returner. And that goes to how well Marshall Kane has done on kickoffs this year. I believe he's second in the nation now in touchback. So that focus is probably well-deserved in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at both, both uh, parts of the kicking game. You look at the kickoffs, um, yeah, you're looking at one of the best in the country and in, in, uh, in Marshall Kane and getting the ball out of the end zone. And then I think that's going to be essential. Make him go to the 25 every time. Do not put the ball in Stephon Diggs' hands. Uh, he leads the Big Ten at 24-4 per game for return, and he's capable of taking it back on you any time. He's played against some of the Iowa defenders in both in high school and in different prep events. They can vouch for his athletic ability. He's one of the top receivers in the country and a, a likely NFL candidate. I think where Iowa's 
in danger in the, in the kicking game is probably more punt than kickoff. William Likely is a guy who's probably like Jarvis West from Iowa State, but maybe a little bit better. He's a, he's a terrific defender. He's short at 5'7", but explosive, and he's got quick twitch, uh, you know, so he can defend, but but in the in the punt game, uh, he's a real weapon. He He's not unlike Iowa, which tends to fair catch everything uh, with defenders 15 to 20 yards in front of him. He'll, he'll take off with guys, you know, two feet in front of him. So, and Iowa's punt game has been inconsistent at best and bad at worst. So I would expect Iowa to kick the ball out of bounds. <laughs> don't, you know, you don't want Devin Hester returning against you in the NFL and you don't want uh, William White uh, likely doing the same here. Maryland's offense is averaging 34.7 points per game. That's fourth in the Big Ten. They have 25 plays of 20 yards or longer so far this season. Ten of those were scoring plays. The one common opponent between the Hawkeyes and the Terrapins is Indiana, and uh, they had eight of those 20-plus yard plays against the Hoosiers. That's uh, That shows you how explosive they are. I mean, this is a veteran team, and, and when you look at Randy Edsel, you know, he's caught his fair share of grief coming into from to Maryland from uh, UConn, and he couldn't have asked for a better situation to switch leagues. With having this veteran unit, I mean, I believe they had 19 returning starters coming in. Offensively, you can see where it really shows up, and that's, uh, let's look skill position players. Uh, Stephon Biggs, 36 catches, 450 yards. He's had a 77-yarder. Then you look at Dion Long, who's just as good as he is. He's just not quite as heralded, maybe not quite as explosive, but certainly right there. And then the most underrated player they have is, is their running back, Brandon Ross, who averages five yards a carry, but is very active in the passing game. I mean, he's, he's got almost as many receiving yards as he does rushing yards. So by having that veteran team coming into the Big Ten, and, and the Big Ten in this era, which is still trying to find its, its footing as a whole, Maryland can really make a statement. Now, this is the second of a six-game murderer's row for Maryland, but this is probably one they feel like they got a really good chance of winning. So expect a confident team, and then expect a confident quarterback in C.J. Brown, who's a sixth-year guy who's, who's played a lot of football for the Terps and uh, is a very effective player. And then, then also, kind of like Iowa, and a little bit different, is you have a, more of a throwing quarterback in Caleb Rowe. So this team's stacked on offense. They've got a lot of playmakers, and they've got a lot of experience. And I think that at home, on their homecoming, I think that's something that uh, Iowa has to prepare for. You just talked about their veteran quarterback, C.J. Brown. He's uh, completed 84 passes for over 1,000 yards and 7 TDs, but he's also the rushing leader for Maryland. He's rushed for 263 yards and 5 touchdowns. That, that poses another threat for Iowa, which is a, a dual threat quarterback, a guy that can pass as well as, as run. And we've seen this in the past where Iowa has struggled to defend these guys, and, and that's, I think, a comparable player to him is maybe what you have seen with a Dan Persa at uh, Northwestern a few years ago now. Dan Persa was pretty effective, especially against Iowa over the years, but uh, C.J. Brown has got a, a similar skill set in that he can run, he can pass, he can find open guys, he's not afraid to run, not afraid to take off. He's got a 75-yard run. I mean, that's that's impressive enough. What what that does is that challenges Iowa's defensive front, where they've got to straddle kind of that line between having a good, healthy pass rush and the, the disruptive pass rush, and also not getting out of their lane and to allow him to, to scramble and take off because there's probably nothing more demoralizing than when it's third and seven and your secondary has good coverage than to allow a quarterback like that to escape and, and you know, get a seven, eight, ten yard run. So uh, he's he's an effective player in, in, in space. He's also an, uh, a decent passer. I wouldn't call him a great passer. So that, that adds to the challenge for Iowa, uh, especially with some suspect play at times from the, from the linebacking core. Defensively, Iowa has eight interceptions on the season. Maryland, coincidentally, has thrown eight picks, which is the second highest in the Big Ten. Maryland also is allowing 212 rushing yards per game, which is, is 13th in 
the conference. And Iowa's rushing game finally seems to be coming together. It's really good against Indiana. It's been getting better each of the last two or three games now. And you know, the number of, of uh, players rushing the ball is also narrowing. Yeah, there's. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still kind of split on whether or not this team is ascending as a running threat. I, I just they've had some issues. They they did luck out and have a big play, a 60-yard run the other day. But then you outside of that, you look at, at what they were able to do, and that's pretty modest. I mean, you're looking at you know 43 yards for or 43 carries at uh, 147 yards. I mean, that's that's a modest modest effort for for this team that needs to really run the football more effectively. And and part of it, you know, I would say before the uh, Indiana game was their tendencies were pretty obvious when they were in a certain formation or personnel grouping. They tended to, to, to show where they were going with the ball. That was that was a telltale that a lot of teams fed off of. I'm still wondering what what's the cause here on some of the other plays. Is it the, the fact that you're looking at all these great running backs around the Big Ten and Iowa really doesn't have one? Is it Jordan Canzari has just been fighting nagging injuries and he's not able to really scoot into the hole? Is it you know Mark Wiseman's a big thumper but you know doesn't really have enough speed to kind of break through except to, you know yards after contact? So they're now up to 3.8 yards per carry and 150 yards a game. They did rush for more than 200, but again, I mean, you don't want to take away one play because it was a big play, but you got also in perspective, they, they've still got a long way to go, and I think that's what's going to determine the outcome of the season is whether or not they can run the ball effectively, get first downs, and uh, and move the chains because if, they, if they're if they still struggling, if they're still getting one yard on first down or, or you know, one yard on third and two and have to go for it on fourth down, I think I, I, there's too many good teams ahead. There's too many teams that are like Iowa in talent that I think it could really hurt them. After this break, Scott continues our deep dive into the Maryland game and talks Big Ten West. And around, jet sweep to the edge. And another busted play of Jonathan Parker. They said he needed more touches, and he gets one, and it's a big one. Iowa responds with a very quick touchdown. This is unbelievable. So it's a 60-yard run for Jonathan Parker. Kirk Ferentz has to be happy about the way this team just responded to an explosive play with an explosive play. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and you can make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeyes Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. You mentioned that play by Jonathan Parker. They've shown that jet sweep a couple of times. That was a terrific play last Saturday. Great downfield blocking by Iowa's receivers. And then they showed a, a new play that we hadn't seen, which was a, kind of a little flip toss back to Parker, which didn't go for many yards. But when other defenses have to start preparing for that kind of a play, you can run that play or you can run a fake. It may open up some other things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you look at Jonathan Parker's resume right now, and, and I think everybody will say this guy's got big play potential. Uh, we saw that with... Uh, 
this week with Randy Edsel mentioning him. He's focused on him, which means when he comes into the game, everybody's going to look at him and say, hey, 10 here or wherever. You know, the jet sweep uh, was set up because of what happened against Purdue um, two weeks earlier. Three times he went in motion, and he didn't get the ball any of the times. However, out of that formation, with the jet sweep motion, Iowa was able to run three times for 39 or 32 yards. That meant that, in this case, on Saturday, when he went in motion, that the safety and the cornerback stayed home. They did not follow the motion, which because they were prepared for the for the backside um, dive. And so when they didn't move with him, that left one-on-one defenders on the outside and enabled uh, Jacob Hillier and Jake Doozy to have two terrific blocks on the perimeter. And then Jonathan Parker was off to the races. So I think by using him, he, he can be very effective as both a decoy and an actual playmaker. And right now he's been a real bright spot for this offense. And when he's on the field, people recognize that. The other big pass play last Saturday was the post-pattern touchdown by DeMond Powell, where he had a couple of steps on his defender. If you couple Parker on the field with that capability that he has and Powell on the outside, Iowa's offense can show some real speed, and it's going to stress defenses if both those guys are in at the same time. Yeah, they're both playmakers, and they, they proved that the other day. I mean, and they've got other players who can do the right thing, who can do big things too, but, but those two, their speed alone separates them. Iowa this season is, and it's getting a lot of play, and it should, they have made nine conversions on fourth down plays. That's first in the Big Ten. Maryland is five of five. And you see around football, if you look in the Big Ten stats and elsewhere, more and more teams are are running plays on fourth down. What do you think is going on here? I think teams are recognizing that uh, there's it's no there's no need to punt when you have an advantageous situation. I think teams inside of, of the opponent's uh, you know fifty see it as you know hey it's just one yard <laughs> you know you can you can get one yard here you know you can get two yards here and you don't want to give up possessions because I think possessions are very priceless in this offense heavy system. If you've got a chance to get points, you get points, and if you've got a chance to keep drives going, you do it. And I think some of it, of course, is you know when you get in that no man's land here where you punt, it's probably a touchback. What do you really gain out of that? And it's too far for a field goal. But I think some of it is, and I think what we've seen at Iowa is they're just, they're determining they've got to get touchdowns. They have got to get touchdowns and feel like they need to get the and establishing a kind of a physical tone. If it's fourth and one at the 16, and and you want to run the football and you want to you want to demoralize your opponent, that's the best way to do it is get that that first down. So it's still a little bit shocking. I think there's a couple situations where Iowa probably should not have gone for it and, and kicked the field goal. I think at Purdue when they were up 24 to 10 with only a couple minutes to go, that screamed to me, kick the field goal, go up three scores, you leave no doubt on the field. But that said, they determined that, that it was that that's what they wanted to do. And I think you got to applaud the team for, for kind of being a little less conservative on fourth down. And I think it's really been a, it's been interesting to see, no doubt. Defensively, Iowa's Louis Trinka Passat is number one in the Big Ten in tackles. Number two, however, is a Maryland defensive lineman, Andre Monroe, who's also their sack leader and ranks high nationally in sacks. And Maryland has a couple of veteran linebackers as well. Yeah, and they're getting another guy back too this week. So uh, they they have got a lot of different playmakers. They play a comparable 30 front to, to Indiana, except they've got better players. I mean, and it's not close. They've got guys who come from different positions. The Andre Monroe is interesting because of his size, if nothing else. I mean, he's he only stands about 5'11", and he, but he weighs 282 pounds. So, you know, he's a big physical guy, but just in height alone is, is, is a little belies his productivity. He's got 19 and a half career sacks, which uh, is only about five shy of, 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 less than five shy, four and a half shy of the Maryland record, school record. So he's uh, he's really an ascending player. He's a player I was going to 
have to watch on the edge. I'm interested to see how they do on in, in some of their uh, blitz packages because they do have four really active linebackers, uh, including the Big Ten leader in tackles for loss, who you know was actually listed as a, as a reserve this week despite starting six games. So this is a, a very interesting active defense, but it's one that can be beaten. We saw that with Ohio State. I mean, they gave up 52 points to Ohio State. So I, I think this is one where Iowa needs to establish the run against this front to, to kind of and then play the run the pass off the run because a 30 front a team like this I think you can you can do what you want to do but I don't I also think it's mess around too much um, they could stop you and really put you in behind the eight ball one last little interesting fact before we get to your prediction Iowa leads the Big Ten in uh, penalties more accurately stated in the fewest number of penalties and the most penalties by opponents and Maryland's number two so that could be that has been a significant factor in a couple of Iowa's games in particular this year, and obviously it's helping Maryland as well. So let's go. What, what's your thoughts here? Can Iowa get to 6-1 and one for only the third time under Kirk Ferentz? It's going to be really difficult. To me, this shows the progress this team has made throughout the year, if nothing else. Um, you know, this is going to be a challenging environment, not necessarily a difficult environment. Uh, you know, they expect a near sellout crowd for homecoming at Maryland. They're excited about their season, being 4-2. and two. And again, after Iowa comes Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan and ends with Rutgers. So it, it, they've got a challenging slate ahead of them. However, Maryland has a, has a team that's, that's capable of big play opportunities, but they don't have the quarterback like a Nate Sudfeld. I don't think either one can pass the ball like him. I think Iowa's secondary has, has made enough strides where it can keep the wide receivers in check. I'm sure this week was a was basically like watching a horror flick on Halloween, watching the, the play on defense uh, against Kevin Coleman. So I expect Iowa to contain Maryland, give up some points, give up some yards, but not get drug up and down the field. Conversely, I think Iowa is capable of running the football. I think we're going to finally start to see that. Jordan Canzeri appears to be healthy. I think you're going to see a one-two punch with Mark Wiseman and him. Uh, Maryland ranks 13th in rushing defense. Iowa still continues to, as we talked about, post-mediocre numbers in the running game, but I think it is gradually getting better. I think this is a close game. I could see it going either way, coin flip, but I think Iowa pulls it out, goes to 6-1, and 34-31 on the road, takes a week off, and then gets ready for what we commonly refer to as hate month in November. And to close out here, just a couple of notes about the Big Ten, particularly the West Division. Most interesting game for Iowa fans probably to keep an eye on this weekend other than their own game is Nebraska at Northwestern, seeing whether Northwestern can bounce back after its loss at Minnesota. So the Big Ten West continues to look interesting here. Yeah, there's still, to me, there's still five teams that are in this race. Now, whatever happens uh, between Northwestern and Nebraska really puts that other that team in the hole. And I think if more, more so, I think it would put Northwestern in the hole if Northwestern loses because that would be they would move to two and two in the league play and lose already to two West Division teams. Nebraska can survive a loss, but you know then again it would have to win at Wisconsin at and at Iowa to be able to kind of move forward. So I, I you know these these teams interesting enough. Uh, when, you, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, you didn't expect much out of this, but they have posted three of the best games over the last couple of years. Number one was the, the upset 
at uh, Lincoln when, in Nebraska's inaugural season. Uh, Northwestern was able to go get the win there. Then, then you look at Nebraska's comeback in uh, Evanston a couple of years ago where they were down 28-16 with six minutes to go, and they won 29-28. And then last year, the most dramatic of the endings was uh, Nebraska winning on a Hail Mary on the final play of the game. Uh, you know, what an amazing game. So I expect this to be as entertaining of a game as you'll find. I hope I can watch it. <laughs> I'll be out in Maryland. Uh, I hope I can get to, to see that. But, but I think one other thing we want to look at in the, in the West Division is the team that is really starting to get much better and is playing as, as well as anyone is Minnesota. Now, there's an easy way. Every, most people overlook Minnesota, and it's understandable. And their passing game is not real strong. But the way they played against Northwestern and, and the way they have just gradually gotten better, they have the same type of mindset that Iowa takes, which is be the most physical team, don't make mistakes, be good with your techniques. And you can just see the way they've improved under Jerry Kill now in their fourth year to, to win the way they did at Michigan, the physical style of play, that they are going to be set up nicely to compete, if nothing else, in the month of November. So they're playing Purdue and Illinois back-to-back before a bye week and then playing Iowa at home. So they're going to be fairly confident. They've got a really good chance of going 4-0 to start. And uh, we could have a real significant Floyd to Rosedale game in, in uh, early November, which I think we'd all be excited to see. Chewy, yummy, smoky bacon! Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, no, 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 it's bacon! The Hawkeyes scored four touchdowns in less than four minutes late in the first quarter. It was 28-7. Iowa, after the opening 15 minutes of this game, it was a 17-point halftime lead. 75th meeting between these two teams. First meeting in two years. 45-29, the final score. 2-0 record for Iowa in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, 0-2 for Indiana. Our thanks again to ESPNU for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast and that you will come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.